1: Hey, buddy, and welcome back to another Game of the Year podcast from fanbite.com. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Strump, man- sorry, not even managing editor. By the time you're listening to this, I am senior managing editor of fanbite.com. I am, once again, joined by, who is, is this, is this
2: Imran Khan? Yeah, sophomore Imran Khan.
1: Sophomore news
2: editor yeah. Imran Khan. Not a senior yet. Just <laughs> not yet. You're less than a year in, right? Yes. So I guess technically freshman, <laughs> technically freshman, first
1: yeah. grader Imran Khan uh, is joining <laughs> me alongside uh, kindergartners, Michael, I am where i I'm a little baby.
0: <laughs> thank I don't know you, what thank, I do.
1: Thanks for that, Michael. <laughs> I, you know, I did just the other day get a DM from somebody who was trying to ask me about you and they did call you Michael Fiam. What the f- oh PH because
0: my middle yeah. name is my middle name is uh my um Michael P. Heim, the the, the P stands for Pinot. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh, I disappointed Paul already. Damn it. That's that's an old that's an old that's an old joke from the GameSpot days. But uh oh, okay. oh, damn. and <laughs> yeah, we're like one minute in and Paul's already shaking his head. I can see it.
1: Well, uh somebody who I know will bring us right back down to earth is one Mike Williams of fanbite.com staff writer, I believe is the title.
3: Uh, yes it is uh wow. and and welcome I will be uh probably the the calming influence here uh because these people are full of nonsense full yeah. of nonsense mm-hmm. already they're mm-hmm. not wrong I don't
1: no, no, no,
3: no! No, he's wrong. We're we're gonna keep
1: it civil. We had a conversation. Little peek behind the curtain. We had a conversation with our wonderful producer Paul Tamayo, who is producing this episode behind the scenes. He's on this call. He has no power to talk though, so he can't stop me if I say something like we're about to get, bust this uh, game of the Yussi wide open. Oh,
2: so, no. Whoa, whoa, no, whoa, no, I draw a line That's, there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, honestly. That straight up sounds like it would be dialogue in Writers Republic. So I think it works.
1: Stupid! <laughs> <laughs> oh my wow. God. Well, I guess you've just basically opened the door to to start off. I guess before I do that, though, I will say the way that we are running things here is a little loosey-goosey because we are all uh, veterans. Even if we are kindergartners, freshmen, janitors, um, various types of uh, PowerPoint projectors, you know, whatever you have in a school, um, these are the things that I, I remember from school. <laughs> Uh, even if we are all those things at fanbite.com, we are veterans of this industry, which means that we have gone through a bunch of knockdown dragout fights over the years, trying to deal with uh, big, long, big long arguments, big annoying sort of things that are just really tough and tiring at the end of the year. So this time we're going to go... A little bit more loosey-goosey, a little bit more relaxed, and kind of pick our own special categories to talk about games that we want. And uh, Imran, you just talked about a game. Is that the game from your award? And what award are you giving out
2: this year? It is not, because I did not have... This is the first time I thought about Writers Republic Public in three months. Okay. So <laughs> it's absolutely wow. not that. But what my category is, game with racism that's kind of okay because it works for the story. <gasps> Now, I <laughs> <laughs>
1: everybody's like, no, you took it too far, Steven. And then
3: everyone- I-, I was about to say, I was like, you should have gone with my category because that would have actually been a good segue. But I want to see where this goes. <laughs> so it's it, there's no good way to have racism, really.
2: Like, you can't really, like, be like, oh, we're just going kind to of have a little racism as a treat. Wow. If, you, if you put racism in your game, it needs to factor in fairly, like, importantly into the story, which is what it does in my nomination for this award, at Great Ace Attorney. Oh, where, this isn't even <laughs> the game I thought you were going to pick. Wait, what game did you think I was going to pick? Tales of rise Oh, yeah, that's also extre- – that's racist, but in the way of like their eyes glow and ours don't. That's weird. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not really racist. That's that's pretty like – pretty. That's, that's fantasy racism. Yeah, it's yeah, fantasy like, racism. We it's know, know what this racism. is supposed to be. <laughs> Green Ace Attorney is like super, super racist against a white – or not white, but like, against Japanese people yeah. in a way that is like very uncomfortable at some point. So like the basic setup of that story is Hodo Ryuichi, who is the ancestor of Phoenix Wright. Like, leaves Japan to go to England and go to their tr- – like, learn their trial jury system, all that. Yeah. Uh, the running undercurrent that soon's become, soon becomes the overcurrent slash line of the entire thing is British people there really fucking don't like Japanese people. And this comes through over and oh, – and nearly every character of power you meet, they're like, yeah, this guy seems like he knows what he's doing, but – little too Japanese, so we're not gonna listen to him. And like yeah. that's kind of the the way Phoenix Right works, of you're supposed to be the underdog. You're not like you're trying to work within a system that treats you lesser. And since the original series was set in Japan, which uh has defense attorneys as the underdog, they had to figure out a new way for it. So the underdogness here is you're not ethnically uh permitted essentially right and i think it works really well in the game itself because it does supply that underdog thing but also like characters are just being openly racist and we are like okay well moving on we're just not going to talk about that time he said the the nipponese can't handle looking at things right yeah Uh, there's like a
1: at one point i think like because i also played this game mike did you maybe also play this game
3: no, I I mean I bought it and I started it, but I haven't played a lot of it. I, w- I was asking how does this square with the, the game's original history of uh sort of whitewashing the food and other references for our releases. Uh they, in- they don't really. Like it just says <laughs> no, not at all.
2: Yeah, Narohoto is uh Phoenix Wright's ancestor, and that's that's just it. That's the only connection between the two.
1: Right. Yeah. They they don't do any of like the Japan is California stuff in this one. It's just the, the game starts in Japan and then moves to England for the vast majority of it uh, in London specifically. And they don't really do any of that weird localization stuff.
3: The, it's the, th- it's going to be one of those things like Dragon Quest where like, we're just going to not talk about this again. Like we will never <laughs> talk about Dragon Warrior again. Uh, uh, it is much, Dragon yeah. Quest from now on. Pretty much. But like yeah. it, it, it
2: works out super well in for this setting because they do yeah. get to break free and just go like, no, we're not going to deal with the Japanifornia stuff anymore. Like this is just about Japan, England, and that's it.
0: Yeah. I have um how. So, I mean, what year this? The Great Ace Attorney takes place in like the 18, 1800s, right? like It's, it's like yeah.
2: 1889 or something. 18- oh, yeah, yeah. End yeah. of the 19th century.
0: I mean, like, fo- like folks is still like mad racist today, but like back then they was like racist, <laughs> racist. So, like, how does uh, I guess I, I'm, I'm aware of Ace of trying to haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm curious, is it do you feel like it's like, is it like 1889 racist? I can see how this how this works, I guess. Or is it like, yo, y'all need to relax with this stuff?
3: Yeah, is it's it is it both. is it is it real? You know, you know, meat is just falling off the bone. Racism, or is it just like you know, early in the <laughs> like? There's a there's some. Oh, it's like oh,
2: of course England's gonna be like very dismissive of a Japanese person like living amongst them because like that's the way it was back then, and they, like it is very strange for people who are not from England to be living there at the time. Right, but there's comes- also like. Like like part of the conceit
3: is, is Herlock Sholmes, right? Who is yeah. a white dude <laughs> and Shulms. is an idiot as as far as I have played. It,
2: it, he has a good character arc, but yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's the legally distinct Sherlock Holmes. Do you know why? I found out this out the other day, the reason they had to call him Herlock Sholmes. No. So Sherlock Holmes, the character, is in the public domain. However, there's two books that uh, the Conan Doyle estate still owns, and they sue over Everything if they think that the depiction of Sherlock Holmes that you're using is in any way derived from those books. So one of the things they were sued for is, Oh, your Sherlock Holmes makes jokes, so do the ones of these two books. So yeah. we're suing you. Yeah, they so did think that
3: for the Netflix movie. They were like, This Sherlock Holmes like loves his sister, so that means Whoa. he's more emotional, which is from the later books checkmate like yes so that's why they did that i i'm pretty sure that's what they did with this one
2: of like oh this this sherlock holmes is funny so i guess we're not going to risk that but yeah they they have that and like they all have less diet racism uh there's a there's a real life character whose name is casey at the moment but he is an actual japanese writer (laughs) and he wrote a book called "called I Am a Cat," so like in the are in the game they associate him with cats. But occasionally, somebody will make a weird reference to like him looking like or him having weird cat eyes, which very Whoa. very strange. Hey, <laughs>
0: like hey, relax.
2: There's a couple like I, I want to say across the two games. There's about maybe like three jokes about Japanese eyes, which are all very uncomfortable.
1: But also very true to life, like yes. literally, like even much more recently than the 1890s, Prince Philip was out there making like trips to China and saying literally making jokes about like Asian people's eyes specifically. You know, yes. like the 80s.
2: It all feels like are there characters who feel like oh you are like Donald Trump holding yourself back from trying to make a Japanese joke, aren't you? And I think like it. it it works as a background element for the first couple of cases, but is a little uncomfortable. And as you get to the second game and start like finishing this stuff out, they start putting it more in the foreground where the actual relationship between England and Japan and ethnicity and racism and all that stuff is literally like the main story at some point.
1: Because this one is like way more story, like overarching story heavy than any other Ace Attorney game. I feel like too, because most Ace Attorney games it's like, Here's a case. Here's a case. Here's a case. Here's a case. The last case maybe ties into something that happened at the beginning of the first case, but mostly yeah. they're all self-contained. This is like two entire games that the cases are somewhat separate, but like they there is an overarching plot going on here.
2: Right. The first like first game, it's like, oh here's a couple of cases that all seem very different, very disconnected. Then the second game is like here's the red string between every single thing you've done so far. Right. And I think that like. Uh, not to get in this, how Greatest Attorney is actually a fantastic fucking video game rant right here, but it's actually That's a really so fantastic good. video game. <laughs> so, it's
3: so, so fucking good. It, it does it better than uh, uh, 007 Spectre. Like, it was all me, James. <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you need to get on more fanbite streams because I have complained about Spectre so many <laughs> <laughs> times recently, <laughs> that fucking movie
3: yeah yeah i need somebody who i can talk to about that stuff
2: which one was that was that one of the recent ones
3: uh that was the last one before the one that just came out in theaters okay that's the christoph waltz one (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I watched christoph waltz as blofeld and and there's the it was all me james is the him being like everything that happened in the previous movies I had a hand in which doesn't make any (laughs) sense. sense. Yeah, but it's Christoph Waltz so it works. (laughs) 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 And he comes like not to get completely
1: off topic but he comes back in this most recent movie but it's so clear that Christoph Waltz is fucking checked out of caring about any of this so spoilers for no time to die another terrible james bond movie but he dies in that movie and (laughs) they don't even show him die on screen or put him in makeup when he should definitely be in makeup or whatever they just like cut the camera away then cut back it's like oh he's dead (laughs) because like clearly they only had him in the studio for like a day Mm, anyway sorry (laughs) (laughs) honestly
2: like that that is probably the the most natural place in this conversation to go from Grace Attorney to James Bond discussion. But yeah, there, there's not a whole lot more to say about that game's racism besides the fact that it's there, it's pervasive, and it actually does factor into the story quite a bit. Thank okay. You, yeah, I, that,
0: think... I was I was that's what I was going to ask is like is it is is the is the racism flavor text or is it a thematic <laughs> uh, fit for what's happening in actual Ace Attorney story
2: stuff? It's a, it's a good thematic fit I think. It does go a little heavy to the point where like, wow, there's a whole lot of coincidences just piled up here, huh? But I I think it works pretty well. I was theor- so I had thought about this uh this category and I was like there's I didn't think about Tales of Verizon as an option, Stephen, but the other option there was going to be uh, <laughs> Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes, but it's oh actually my. not that racist. The thing huh. is, it it doesn't factor the fact that it takes place in Iraq at all to hmm. anything, really.
3: Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Slap uh, that
0: on the, make that a box cult. Not that <laughs> racist at all. I,
3: I, I will say as as a, a complete opposite, just so I can fit this game in, in, into this talk since no one else probably has it. There is a game that is the complete opposite, and it is almost anti-racism and that no one sees race, and that is Hitman 3, um, in, in that uh, this tall, bald, white dude <laughs> can put on any outfit, and then he will definitely be uh, whatever race the character is supposed to be. He fits it, in uh, with a mariachi band. Uh, he definitely dresses up as an Indian tailor. Uh, uh-huh. And the Indian Taylor's family does not seem to notice that he has changed. Um,
1: <laughs> He's the Sheikh in that first game, Sheikh Zanzibar. Yes, y- yups.
3: yeah. So uh, <laughs> Paul Agent Forty Seven, they don't see race in his world, and that's I think it's beautiful. It's, it's I don't know if different. this is still true, but like
2: early on, the lore of Hitman was Agent Forty Seven was the first person to ever think of disguising himself. Right.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> and like it's that's like why nobody else sees implied. it. Like.
2: Yeah. yeah, why would why would he be wearing different clothes? This is this is not a thing. So, like you don't think about it at all.
0: Right. Hitman Hitman is a Hitman is a series about a man leveraging his white privilege you the <laughs> good. You love to see it.
1: Yeah, he's literally out there killing like rich climate uh accelerationists at the end of Hitman 2 yeah, or up there, listen. like private 007 like island uh like trying to build bunkers for for climate disaster. You know? Yeah, there's
2: no one in Hitman that's like, oh, well, you should, you should feel a little conflicted about killing this guy. It's like, no, they're all terrible. Like, right? there's nobody, like, you listen, even if there were someone, you'd listen in on a conversation for like a second, they're like, yeah, no, we're going to send the orphans to the the paste factory and like make them in the <laughs> paste. <And laughs> you're like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll toss this guy off the window.
1: I will say one thing about Hitman that I, uh, on the specific topic of the disguises that you mentioned, Mike, uh, that I think that I would personally love to see them just get away from. The one thing that agent 47 cannot do is ever wear like a woman's clothes, which I, I get to a certain degree. Cause like when you take people's clothes in these games, uh, they are just like in their underwear and that's probably pretty awkward with, especially with the way gamers are and stuff like that. But I feel like at a certain point we should just reach the point where agent 47 can wear a dress and it's fine and nobody will know the difference. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah that, that's the next step. That's,
0: that's the natural evolution for whatever it whatever's next for Hitman. It's like, okay, Agent 47 can get away with being anybody. Let's g- let him get away with being anybody, anybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Genderqueer icon Agent 47. Yup. Wow. He
2: wears a size
3: 47 dress. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's where he got his name. It's just nobody's ever asked him, you know? See, this is this these are the kinds of thoughts that I love that Hitman brings to the table. And and, and it says you can be anything you want to be, if you need to be that in order to kill somebody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Talk to him. Talk to him. <laughs> it's
3: Do you good.
2: think he's just like in non-killing situations? Like he's just going out to the coffee shop. Is like I'm gonna knock out this guy because I like his fedora.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, or or if he goes out to the coffee shop instead of actually going and ordering coffee, he knocks out the barista. Goes behind the counter. Makes his own <laughs> coffee, then yeah. switches back into his outfit and leaves. Did some like wasn't that a real thing that
2: happened once? Like uh, that some people like knocked over a Starbucks and were like, actually, let's make some more money because it's rush hour and like served coffee. Oh, oh my god, that's
3: amazing.
1: That's a good grift. I was going to say, like, but if if Agent 47 did that, he would just make the best goddamn like exp- espresso that you've ever had in your entire life and then take all those tips and then leave them for the guy when he woke up. And just Oh, like, yeah, no.
3: that that is the other thing. He is also amazing at every every mm-hmm. single thing, like the <laughs> best. That's that's the that's the responsibility
0: of being an agent such as himself. He needs to be a in, in hitman one. He's a, an excellent drummer. You know what I'm saying, and he's he's an yeah, excellent cook, to be an excellent Trump bartender. Thing. Like you got to know everything. If this is that's part of his job, so he's very yeah, good at it.
3: See, see, there've there been two yeah. hitman films, and and I I say that the the thing that they've gotten wrong uh, is that they haven't leaned into it being a black absurdist comedy. You know, just yes. just nonsense that makes absolutely no sense they try to take it seriously like he cares about his past whatever no one cares about that We care about the man who puts on like uh, a, a clown outfit and then pushes a guy into a tank full of sharks even the
1: games are like like hitman 3 and 2 i think especially like really lean into that level of humor with like npcs if you listen to their conversations like Imran's thing about the pace factory is not too far away from like the <laughs> level of absurdity that we're talking about here. There's there's like those guards, I think it's in Hitman 1 in the Hokkaido level who are like just doing push-ups and one of the guards is just like hyping up his other guard who's doing all these push-ups and he's like yeah come on man! You can keep, you can do it yeah! Like they're just having like a push-up competition being like the two stu- stupidest dude bros in the history <laughs> and you can knock them out and take their stuff or like the game will be, uh, will have things where you can time it per, per- Perfectly, where a character will say like, "Don't you throw that as your like mid throw, uh, throw like a, a can of expired beans at their head and knocking
2: them out." <laughs> There's literally a line that's like, "Hey buddy, what you got?" Oh no, can and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's that's hilarious. That is the best possible like response you can get to a can in the face." <laughs>
3: oh. Which is <laughs> to say, play Hitman Three because yeah. if you haven't, you can in Hitman Three play all of the trilogy's levels, and they're yeah. going to keep going. Yay! More it's stuff.
2: actually too much content. There's like you have way more content in Hitman 3 than you have in like most games, period.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's a strain on my hard drive at this point, to be completely yeah. honest.
3: <laughs> Is that your game, Mike, by the way? No. Uh, so my game again, I, I said earlier you actually had the best uh segue. Uh Imran mentioned Riders Republic. Uh my award was uh the best ragdolls. Uh, in games and, uh, for this year, it was, uh, Riders Republic. Uh, Halo Infinite comes in real close. Uh, they got some really tasty ragdolls there, but Riders Republic has those ragdolls where you'll be like doing a cool jump over a, a rock and then you will hit that rock and you will tumble your ass all the way down a mountain, uh, in, the kind of way that makes me glad that I don't do extreme sports, but this is why I play video (laughs) games so that a digital body can do this instead.
1: Uh, This is the same team that made steep, right?
3: Yep. Yes. And and it is definitely, uh, like I said, on our review, like the, they finally found the game that they've been working towards with steep and the crew. Like, uh, like if you look at both of those games, they're like I think both two years apart. So it's the crew, then Steep, then the crew two, God, and then the this. Crew. Um, and this crew seems crew. to be the game. It, it, it's <laughs> not the crew team, that's uh, it's not the, the crew old test, the old ah. test drive. Uh, developers are the crew, but uh, this style of game, they definitely talked with the crew people,
2: okay?
3: Um, and I like they, they want to be Gru with
2: too, Yeah. They,
1: they want to be Forza Horizon but the Ubisoft flavor version of it where it's like it's a it's an infinite extreme sports party across the world that is just burning through the like the entire earth uh destroying town after town as people just com- come in and uh ruin your entire livelihood uh but <laughs> hey they're having a good time.
2: I know yeah. Horizon, Forza Horizon 5 definitely made a point to always talk about how the people love it the people love the horizon coming into town <laughs> otherwise you'd be like oh we're just fu-. like you literally race through and destroy ancient temples in that game
3: Yeah, Yeah. or you race through towns and and you'll knock over chairs and carts and like, that was somebody's livelihood. No, they love it. They're like, yes, this is great. (laughs) Oh my God. I I think think about that a lot. Because like
0: the thing about Forza Horizon is like everything's so positive. Everything's great. Everyone came out to see the cars and to see Count Driftula just Uh wreck their shit and their history and their entire town. And imagine the the taxpayer burden that comes along with it. But you know what? For, it's it's like the olympics the olympics comes I was from, about to say the time. same thing. I yeah. was like is this,
3: is this even fake? No, because we let the olympics do it like every other year. So, <laughs> no,
1: yeah, want, it's uh, yeah. It's like the olympics mixed with like those old southern bells who would just like sit on their front lawn watching civil war battles happen. Like, oh yeah, those, <laughs> there's just a bunch of people getting yeah. murdered in front yeah. of me. It's like uh, no, 20 civil, feet away.
0: It's like the civil war is like mad whimsical for like, like <laughs> I don't know, like damn, like people like got their, got their arms and legs cut off, like with like a, like a bone saw and um, they didn't have like technology to like sh- shave your legs. What the fuck to chop off your legs. And shit. So like, it's yeah, just they didn't brutal.
1: have robot legs like we have now.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, medical medical history has uh has gone through some waves uh, we're on that new wave so like everyone thinks the civil war is like mad whimsical everyone thinks forza horizon 5 is mad whimsical but you know what forza horizon 6 needs to address that it needs to be like yo there's like scheming going on behind the horror- horizon festival and it's a heist movie like fast and furious so we're actually oh. just game developing here on this uh game of the year podcast i would
2: i would like a forza horizon game where they have the horizon festival somewhere but like It's clearly not wanted and nobody approved it. So, like, every time you start a race, just cops are chasing you down. Yes.
3: (laughs) Need for speed, hot pursuit. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I feel like
1: there was an era in, like, the PS2, late PS2, early Xbox 360 type era where we had a bunch of games like that, like Midnight Club and stuff like that, where... Mm -hmm. Oh, the the first Fast and the Furious had come out. And so like the coolest thing in the world was there's just roving gangs of people putting up traffic cones, fake traffic cones, blocking off entire streets where they can have their clandestine races and stuff. And oh now the <laughs> cops are on their trail. We gotta get out of here and steal more DVD players. Like I feel that fantasy <laughs> has been lost as the Fast and the family has gone all
3: the way cops. Like well, they're just
1: like out there working for the
3: feds now. And we for- need to get back to that. Yeah, Need for Speed keeps trying to do it. And the last one was Payback, which was literally yeah. like their plot heavy one where it's like, you were a street racer, but then the cops got you. Now you work for the cops, but now you got to do heist stuff in order to get away from the cops. And it was just like, I, I, I don't think we care about racing in that style that much. Like it had a whole plot, but we, it's just, it, it was, it was, yeah. It, I feel bad for ghost games. Cause they kept getting closer and closer to like, Oh, this is a good need for speed. Like the last one was actually pretty decent, but now they're gone. Gone. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a you, you sad no thing. longer.
0: There's no longer a need for speed. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, they're, they're still doing another one, uh, oh, but who knows what that's going to look like. I, I, again, I think they, after like three games, they got to something that's decent. Uh, and well, they- look at the segue back here. <laughs> Riders Republic, same deal. After three games, they've gotten to something decent. I don't think it's perfect. Uh, it does have some problems like in the controls being a little wishy-washy. But I, I think it's a definite good foundation for something that they can make much better in the future. Mm. What What is Riders Republic again?
1: Like, it's Is it just like open activities you can do whatever you want is there like specific tracks
3: i don't know much about this game yeah so it's it's basically it takes place in a cut down version of uh, extreme sports area it's like california utah and like wisconsin and uh there are a number of different extreme sports so there are bikes uh snowboards and skis uh, and then uh, wingsuits and uh, rocket packs. And then within each of those three like major disciplines, there's also like different types of races. So in bikes, there's downhill racing, uh, like on roads, there's downhill mountain biking, there's uh, stunt tracks. So like once you find a thing that you really enjoy, there's actually a ton of like bespoke uh events that you can do with that thing so you can stick with it for quite a while and they also have a user creation tool where you can just like go to a spot say hey i want to create a a track or an event here and then just start writing and sort of sketching out the track that other players can then play um so it's a very wide variety of extreme sports stuff you know there's uh, same deal snowboards you can have uh, regular downhill courses you can have trick courses um, wingsuits are, are the same way rocket uh, pack and then they have a bunch of weird uh, vehicles like there is a uh, bike with rockets on it um, that makes absolutely no sense uh, there are some some one of the rocket packs is like an old jet engine you just strapped to your back. <laughs> um, so it's 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 a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed it. The problem is, is it came out, like, maybe a month before Forza Horizon 5? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Forza that kind of ate its lunch. It it absolutely ate its lunch. Like, like it is, it is a pretty good game uh, that they can build on in the future, but horizon has already built on it uh like like they've definitely entered with horizon five sort of their their perfect version and i actually think for horizon six they might need to change some stuff up Mm -hmm. um oh yeah absolutely i agree with that yeah so uh it, it is basically just like the new kid in town and and again i'm not sad for ubisoft ubisoft will be fucking fine Uh, but but the new kid in town up against uh, hey what's your definition of fine they got some shit going on over at
1: ubisoft i don't know if you read the like newspapers recently their
3: bank accounts will be fine (laughs) yeah yeah like
2: like eve gimo will not like lose sleep
3: tonight eve gimo will not lose sleep and then the 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 people working on writer's republic will hopefully find jobs elsewhere uh, and hopefully the studio culture didn't have any trouble there, but who knows? Because who knows, every yeah. studio has trouble. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it, it's just one of those things. I think probably if Rise of Republic had come out like another two months earlier, like midsummer, I think it probably would have had more room to ride out uh, before wow. Horizon just Whoa. like destroyed it. Ride out. This oh. is why I'm a writer. Puns. Wow. Puns make us live. A writer and a writer. Everyone wants to talk are about
0: Writer's Republic, but don't want to talk about creating a writer's
3: republic, aka unionize. You know what I'm saying? Open your third eye, B. I I, I I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying perhaps uh there should be unionization for writers, because if you join the Writers Guild of America, you get screeners for movies, and I want screeners for movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're yeah. always about business. Like, you're like, What's this is <laughs> always I, got I, the I, angle.
0: I, I, I fuck with the vision, but like, what, what, what am I gonna get out of this? Like, you just, <laughs> Mike just got his head on straight. He just, like, knows exactly what he's here oh. for and what to do. Like, I got so much
1: respect for you to, for that. Like, damn, man. Mike sent me to Sweden once. Like, that's like m- just being in Mike's orbit. Well, like everybody listening to this podcast just get on Twitter? Go at automatic Zen on Twitter. Uh, just become his friend, and
3: you then will get some shit.
1: Go to Sweden. That's how, how did it Mike works.
3: send you to Sweden? Like is <laughs> that was uh, CCP? Or uh, no, CCP Iceland. It was no Iceland. That was Iceland. Sorry, we sent someone to Iceland too.
1: Oh shit! I would have gone to that because I'm also the Yvonne Line person, or I was back then. Wait,
3: what is what is what is going on here? I don't know. <laughs> we needed a, a freelancer for something, and uh, they, they needed. Was there like a UST? Uh,
1: no, it was it was a different place within the gamer network. I, who even was it? Was it Prima that I worked for that that week or? Something gamesindustry.biz? What some like you were at USG at the time, but somebody else within your network needed somebody to go cover fucking Candy Crush saga. And (laughs) I was in college working the newspaper, uh, the arts and entertainment editor of the NDSU Spectrum. Uh shouts into that place. They fired me. Uh I left to go to Sweden. (laughs) <laughs> and went to go uh to stockholm sweden to go see candy crush saga and a bunch of other bubble witch saga or whatever got mad underpaid like just terribly terribly paid for the amount of work that i that i did for that uh but i did like the whole trip was free i was there for like you know 36 hours and got to go have like way too fancy food on a lake by the the cabin where the queen of sweden lived and uh they gave me like yeah, I was just show, tell, showing what a, like a shill I am, but I, whatever. I was I was a like a sophomore in college at the time. It's been a number of years. Uh, I was working three jobs. I I I put my dues in um, and got some like fucking Pappy Van Winkle, fucking extremely expensive whiskey at the time. It was it was a wild time.
3: And no one remembers the game. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are uh, and, and now they don't have to do that now. Now I can stay
2: home. Yeah, It's the reading. most
3: beautiful thing. Aww. The
2: pandemic made it so everyone was like, wait, we were, why are we flying people to Sweden? What were uh-huh. we doing? What was the plan there? Even
1: more so than it was, because <laughs> I feel like like that was like 90s, right? Or like early 2000s, people were sending writers out into the desert to go drive a real world warthog with an actual minigun to go shoot sandbags and shit. Like flying people to Italy for that Capcom thing. That one I went year.
2: To, to an event in Vegas once. Where one of the PR people at the end of the night was like, hey, we're gonna go take some of the influencers and we're gonna go shoot like machine guns out in the desert. Do you wanna come? <laughs> I was like, no. Uh-huh.
3: I'm good. This was not that this is like two years ago. This is not a long time ago. Holy oh my shit. lord.
2: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I
3: haven't heard about one of those
2: in a while. What? Sh- yeah. a it was not of part dude? of the actual event. No, it right. was That's they it was years. a thing you can do in Vegas. And uh, they were like, Do you want to okay. go do this with us? It was like I don't want to say the game name because I want to get the PR person in trouble. But like it, it was not anything associated with guns at all.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. That was that was we're gonna go show these freelancers a fun time right before they're about to go cover our game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's much easier. We can just sign on to Parsec and and spend like twelve hours playing a game. Uh, how many hours were we playing Final Fantasy? <laughs> Eight hours. Eight, Eight hours, hours from ten o'clock to six six o'clock,
0: and it was perfect.
3: It was. <laughs> well, You could actually
2: log in, so I think that was. Oh,
0: <laughs>
3: uh,
1: you know
0: that's that's facts.
1: <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, Mike, uh, speaking of Final Fantasy fourteen, I don't know that that's the game that you've selected, but you are one of our Resident Final Fantasy fourteen experts. What is your category? My here?
0: category, uh, uh, so this is yo this okay this 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 brings all of gaming full circle for me. So. We're talking about final, you mentioned Final Fantasy, um, and, um, my game is in Final Fantasy. Actually, it's in Final Fantasy 14. My category has to do with crying because I'm about to get really mad serious right now. <laughs> y'all, y'all talking about Riders of <laughs> Public? Y'all talking about uh, Greatest Attorney from Racism to Racing? But you know what? We're gonna bring things back down to earth, and um, I'm gonna talk about Near Replicant because my category is the greatest moment. What, what, what did I?
1: What did I write again, Steven? Oh, let me pull it up. Let me pull it, it the, up. The I exact wording. It. I forgot what it was. I just like typed in a bunch of shit. You bet. Uh, best game that brought you to absolute fucking tears. Yeah, From, there you go. Mike hey, Ohio, hey, Michael Hey, Michael Fine. Hey.
0: Uh, so there's, okay, so I'm going to talk, like, this is my way of talking about Near Replicant, because I feel like it's going if there was a Game of the Year discussion, <laughs> it would probably get dropped off, because probably, like, two people played it, uh, and it's me oh, and Oh, no, Ron. I, no, and I played did, it as well. Oh, yeah. yes, hell yeah, and then uh, Mike knows about Nier, because you, you did the, the, the Raid series in, uh, in Shadowbringers, so... <laughs>
1: Uh, uh there's so yeah, m- no I did.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, I got I got some great people here to talk about this. But the <laughs> It's almost
1: like we planned it ahead of time. Me and Nikki when we were scheduling <laughs> oh, who was going to be on which episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, y'all are genius. Oh, uh, the vision. Uh so there's there're a lot of moments like near replicant hit on like so many different levels and there are a lot of a lot of moments to extract out of it. And also like that aren't necessarily spoilers, because they're, like, towards the end, obviously, uh, when things start to, the pieces start to fall into place, once you get through the different endings, like, those are very emotional, impactful moments that were, that hit very hard for me, but also there are the moments in between, the moments leading up to it, that are, that put nears humanity on full display, and I think the first thing I wanted to bring up was, or the first, first instance of that that I wanted to bring up was uh, Emile's transformation. So Emil is this boy who uh, can't look at thing, at look at people because if he does, they turn to stone. That's kind of his power. That's also his burden. Um, and he has to, if he wants to live in this world without that burden, then they they seek out a way to alleviate that. But they don't know about the the repercussions, about the consequences of doing that. So. If y'all know who Emil or you all of y'all have seen, if you've seen Yoko Taro, you've seen what Emil looks like, at least in some form. He's that big ass head, the, the the helmet that he wears everywhere everywhere Yoko Taro goes in public. So the thing is, like Emil's a little boy, and then in 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 curing his problem with his vision and turning people to stone, he has to or doesn't like, eventually, or at that point he gives up his body. And he's a floating skeleton with a with a big round metal smiley face for a head, and it's it. But the and you kind of look at it and you think of you think it's kind of silly in its design too. And like Yoko Taro being who he is and uh, how he just kind of like takes on that 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 um, as like his looks in public. But the moment that happens, it's about kind of coming to terms with. Uh, with your body and how uh, how that factors into uh, people accepting you and how that that shit is really, really hard. And what happens is he in that in that transformation, Emil looks at himself and he's breaking down because like, what happened to me? Why? Why am I like this? Like, you're, no one's going to love me anymore. Like, I yes, I, I got rid of this, 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 this burden I had, but at what cost? And he's just breaking down, crying, looking at himself. And questioning why, why things had to be this way. Why, why he was given this, this, uh, this terrible, terrible body or whatever. And then the the main character goes up to him and he just hugs him. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, damn, we talk about racism and we talk about fucking writers in public. And then goddamn, my bad. It is 11. It's not even noon on a goddamn Monday morning, but like. I think a lot of a lot of us uh, struggle with accepting our bodies and it, it's really hard to kind of I, not me. Go th- <laughs> 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 OK, Stephen, I saw <laughs> like, you. You should, should So it made me think of that, too. Like when I when I read your piece, Stephen, it's like and then when uh, in, in the lead up to this podcast, I'm like a lot of us struggle with accepting our bodies and we can be like the nicest people we can um, be the, the sweetest people. We could do great things in this world, but your first impression is always how you look growing up. That was really hard. And in that moment where here's here. So Emil has someone to just embrace him and tell him like, it's going to be okay. You're still going to be our friend and how much, how comforting that is and how people, sometimes they don't have that. They just, they just have to live their lives and, uh, feeling like they're they're never going to be accepted that they won't uh, have people around them because of the way they look. And throughout any replicant, he like they all they all form this this really strong bond, especially between him and Kaine, and Kaine is someone who pushes people away. Like broadly speaking Kaine doesn't want to like she hates people and she would rather like say fuck the world and I'm just going to fight everything because that's how she uh, handles her trauma. But there's so many warm moments between Kaine and Emil, who's like this. Emil is like this really sweet boy who would never hurt a soul, uh, if he ne- if he didn't have to. And Kaine, who wants to like slice every everyone down, uh, so it has this really really good dynamic. And Kaine has to like if you a little bit deeper into the lore, Kaine has to deal with that too on some level. And then so like that's kind of their relationship too. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a th- lot of
2: like really good like. Maybe unintentional, probably unintentional. Like analogies and vignettes in that game about body dysmorphia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, th- and I think they work really well. And like, like you were saying, Kaine and Emil have like a, that friendship, kind of based around that same idea of neither of them feel comfortable in their own skin.
1: In the case of Emil, it becomes something that is, like, very outwardly visible to everyone around him, Where was with Kainé. Kainé is an intersex character in that game and had a person in her life who defended her and, like, loved her, like, just the way she was, and it was totally fine, but, like, everybody else in her life around her, like, had no has no frame of reference, because this is, like, a, a sci-fi world millions of years in the future, not literally millions, but, you know, a long, long time in the future where they have, like, no frame of reference for what intersex means or what transgender means or non-binary means or any of that shit. So, like, they they find out about Kaine, and they think, like, she's possessed by a demon. She's some kind of monster, and it's all related to her being a monster. And, uh... Outwardly, that is not readily apparent to a lot of people, but that is also something that a lot of trans people, especially tra- passing trans people, deal with all the time. And that is something that Kainé can relate to and deal with on a very personal level throughout that game that is really beautiful.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of both uh, near automata and near replicant. That's the like the the theme is kind of, or th- that is one of the many themes that they touch on is um, our relationship uh, with our bodies, and, and especially automata being about like androids and feelings and finding humanity. Even though you're, are you even human? Like st- shit, like that. Um, and then near replicant is just um, this isn't really spoiling anything, but it's like people trying to uh, doing everything they can to preserve their their souls regardless of whatever body they might end up having but in the case of the case of Emil it's just like this really um, there's so many like powerful moments of uh, finding comfort with the people who uh, can accept you and how that's a powerful thing uh, but also like Emile is like the sweetest person and I love how there's there's some uh, more subtle dialogue about uh, or when uh, when Emile opens up, uh, to uh, to the characters about different things. So, I think towards the towards the not the end of the game, but like later in the game, when you go back to uh, facade and there's that that big wedding uh, with Fira and um, I forgot the other character's name, uh, the king king of facade. Um, and if you talk to Emil before uh, you progress the story he has this, he has this moment where he's like, wow, I'm really happy for them. Aren't weddings like beautiful and amazing? Isn't love an amazing thing? Um, And I think uh, in that moment, he also kind of hints at um, about uh, being queer and it's, it's never like outwardly stated, but it's like, oh, if I talk to Emil before I walk out, like he'll uh, drop a hint uh, or not drop a hint, but he'll just be like, man, I hope I find love. Uh, And and in that context, he kind of um, just outwardly or, Basically yeah, near
2: says like you'll find a nice girl someday and he's like probably yes. not a girl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for remembering that cuz the, the way the way it's framed is very <clears throat> important uh because yes. it, it's it, a lot it's, less
2: subtle in this version than it was in the original which is like <laughs> they they kind of obscured it a little bit he, like he wanted to you could tell there was some a hint there it's less subtle this time.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh but I I think I think that's uh that that particular the way that that plays out, I think, is really important because it's uh, it's kind of like this harmless assumption that oh you're you're yeah you'll you'll find a girl. And it's like ah, that's not this no you know that's not really my thing. Um, and I, I know I I just I just love Emil and everything that he represents. Um, and then at the Emil end is of the great, court, yeah. Emil is like one of my favorite characters of all, of all time because of how he embodies so many different things that a lot of people struggle with that I've struggled with, and I think other people can identify with and i just <laughs> i don't know I, I i really like that that um that sweet boy character who will do anything for his friends like that's that's like a wild trope or anime trope or whatever but i think that near replicant has the best version of that um but yeah and also and, if you
2: like if you think about emil through automata he is literally he is living on in a in a state where he doesn't even remember his friends anymore but he remembers the fact that He's living for them to keep that, like, keep them protected, to keep the world protected. There's nothing really to protect anymore, but he just has this determination built into him that he can't ever let go. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, it makes him, like, a very tragic figure in some ways, but also he's kind of the the series, like, the definition of what hope is for a completely dead world. Because it's so easy to go through Nier and go, like, why are they still having, why are this, why is there still a conflict 10,000 years later? It's because because people can't let go, essentially, because the world is dead, but it doesn't really matter because the ideals of it are not dead.
1: Right. Yeah. Like literally that game is about people trying like people trying to determine what humanity means. And it turns out what humanity means is like a billion different things and it's different things to different people. And sometimes that's. <laughs> a bunch of like weird animals having sex in the mud to create these two twinks that uh, try to blow everything up and then sometimes that's people trying to actually recreate um former versions of society in the form of like uh uh like kings and queens and stuff
3: it's yeah. it's interesting seeing the reappraisal of this following the success of Nier automata because I remember back when near was square Enix. Square Enix is sad, not Bayonetta, not Devil May Cry. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just the, the lesser. And now now with Automata, it's like, oh, like, there's stuff in this game that Yoko Taro was doing. And so now we're going back. It's like, how far back do we go? Are we going back to Guard, y'all? Is this... <laughs> is this what's Back happening? Drakengard. guard?
1: That's I, the new, check out the new Twitch stream on fanbite.com twitch.tv/fanbite with Imran Khan.
2: <laughs> I um, I feel like Drakengard is a a a bit too far for most modern audiences. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you could probably make that game better. There's no like making that story palatable or palatable for a, a mass audience today.
0: Yeah, Drakengard is pretty fucked up. It's fucked <laughs> up. It's, say.
2: It works as lore, actually going through it a little different.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um yeah, that, also just
1: playing that game, like the fucking I think it's Dragon Guard 3, where you have to do the rhythm game where it's like a 20-minute rhythm game, and if you fail one note, you lose. And, and it's at the end. And it's at the end, and the last note happen like the 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 camera fades to black slowly over the course of like five minutes and then it like it's just black and silent and you have to press a note that you can't see on screen because has already faded to black and if you miss that note you're fucked yeah god that
0: sounds he,
2: miserable he had been wanting to do that boss fight since dragon guard one so <laughs> <laughs> it's not shocking that he eventually he got his way to do that oh my
3: god yeah so so y- yoko taro is uh uh, creative genius are a madman, and uh, at the end of the day, now has the clout to do whatever he wants yeah. at Square Enix. Yeah. He, like, he has uh, a blank
2: check, kind of just kind of do whatever he wants. But
3: because uh, like, he's did he
2: co-create
3: Voice of Cards?
2: Yeah, he yeah. he is behind the story, which is not like it is not Yokotaro enough that right. game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would be singing like its praises like crazy because it is interesting. But it's like. It feels like it's entirely Yokotaro's setup without any Yokotaro payoff, and I think oh, that's I see, yeah. that's kind of the the main issue with it. But it is it is neat. It shouldn't have come out next to Dungeon Master, or was it Dungeon, Dungeon Mas- Encounters? Dungeon Encounters. Sorry, yeah. those two games came out next to each other within like literally weeks. And yeah. I don't understand Square Enix's thought process there. You know, the
0: wild, the wildest shit is like Voice of Cards was is something that is more or less geared towards me. Uh, and yeah. of course, or you as well, Imran. But I didn't know about it until like a week before it was coming out. I don't and think like, anyone I knew should... about it. I
3: think it, was it was part was like of a two wreck. weeks before what, what it came you out know? when
0: they announced it. Okay, uh, yeah, and I'm like, I feel like I should have. Someone should have told me that this was a thing that was happening. Uh, and I'm like, damn, y'all, <laughs> y'all can't even reach the the folks that that, that this is geared towards. So like, <laughs>
3: what, what are you doing?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, because I
3: feel like it was announced and everyone was like, oh, that's vaguely interesting. And then like maybe like a day later, uh, folks were like, wait, Yoko Taro is a part of this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then it like just came out and some people played it. Like I've seen people tweeting screenshots from it. Oh, yeah. I've Um, heard about
1: it on podcasts a couple times now. Right. Yeah.
3: And and it's the same with uh dungeon encounters uh which is <laughs> like if if this is your thing um it is really your thing like it is it is there for all of you etrian odyssey map building um, nonsense people good, It's not enough. It's not <laughs> enough. I need more. Um, give I I like an
0: odyssey actual 6, etrian odyssey. god damn it. Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. Oh god my god. It. Yep. Um, but if you if you want more Yokotaro bullshit uh, you should play uh, Final Fantasy 14 uh, and get through Shadowbringers and play the, the 5.1 5.3 and 5.5 uh, Alliance raid series in which you uh, go through the, the world of near just exists. Yeah, but play in a couple
2: of weeks. Don't don't clog up the things now. Maybe like, yeah, it's oh, gonna be yeah, tough yeah. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. circle back on it next year. But I I highly uh, recommend that. But you know it it does go back to Dragon Guard too because there are like wild Dragon Guard references, especially yeah. in, in that that last leg of that raid series. And you're talking about like the rhythm game with the with, that's the <laughs> one with like the rings and stuff, right? Yeah, the uh, rings. Um, yeah, yeah that that is a mechanic. Uh, not to this. Not to the same extent <laughs> as you experience in Drakgar but it is it is literally built into uh one of the fights or a, fu- a couple of the later on later fights in that raid series uh and the whole like the whole a, a fucking building falling down on your party is part of the mechanics so like and y- Yoko Taro you could tell like he was i mean he it was very outwardly uh, told that he how involved he was with the creation of the raid series for Final Fantasy XIV, but uh, you can see like the the core story of that alliance raid series isn't really that uh, terribly like interesting or mind blowing or anything. But I think like the, the the things that are you experience throughout the actual like gameplay of the dungeons, I think are the more powerful things. Um, so, but uh, Emil doesn't make doesn't necessarily make an appearance there, but uh, it does play uh, his theme song in one of the fights. Uh, so uh so to, to to bring it back uh to emil and near i think one of the one of the powerful things too is uh like music and near uh right so like when i so the category is being brought to absolute fucking tears and i think uh any moment i feel like that in games is also 50 percent due to the fact uh that it the the game in that moment uses uh, music so well uh, and I think Emile's theme is kind of like the embodiment of who he is like it's it's it sounds desperate it sounds hopeful and it's like backed by a, a children's choir uh chanting and, and singing and it's kind of it, it it's it's just like it's the, the his theme song is like an embodiment of his spirit and anytime it plays uh it's just it's a, it's a very overwhelming feeling and it just like this rush of remembering uh what Emil represents and uh, how uh how I relate to him and how other people probably relate to him in different ways as well. So that's my guy. I don't know. I don't know what to tell y'all. Uh,
2: shit. Yeah. I, I'll i throw out a couple other nominations here, Michael. Yeah. One Absolutely. is guardians of the galaxy. Shockingly oh my has, a, has like really? a really good. So there is, it, it's mostly like a space comic book story and like there's moments of like emotion in it. There's a point where, so the the overall story is that a, a cult is promising you all the things you ever wanted, even, but it's sort of like a, a an illusion, a dream. At yeah. some point, Drax gets infected by this and you journey into his mind to kind of just follow him and see what he's like, what his dream is. And it's, he wants his wife and daughter back. And it's actually mm-hmm. a very sad thing where he's telling you, leave. I don't want to come back with you. This is where I want to be. And it's, Genuinely like kind of chokes me up thinking about that. And there's another scene. I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a scene where you actually get the end of like the end of Peter Quill's emotional arc. And there's an exchange between him and another character where the other character is very emotional and Quill has to like stay calm and try and like bring them back to reality in a way that, in a way that surpasses most of that game's writing and most superhero game writing in general, right. I was really surprised. I wasn't brought two tears, but that's why I didn't. <laughs> yeah. It didn't win this thing, but like, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's, it was really good.
1: He, Damn, like, it
0: choked me up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wild. Because like, I, I know, uh, especially like Natalie had been uh, mentioning that. Yo, Guardians of the Galaxy is actually m- impressive on a narrative front, and I'm like, wait, what? Uh, it, like, is it if 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 Natalie feels that way, then like that that's a that's a strong co to me. Like if she says something is like really good, I'm like, oh, I should, I should pay attention yeah. to that. Cause she's like a thousand percent. Right. We share the same single brain cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like hearing your account about it, it's like, oh shit. Like I think, um, yeah, that that's dope. That's, that's really, that's really good to hear. But um, it's, it made you, made you, choke up, but yeah. it ain't enough.
3: <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, a, a shot at like, Hey, you should have probably let Crystal Dynamics just do what they do, yeah. Uh, instead of trying to do what Avengers turned into. Because mm-hmm. I was Montreal, like I have not finished Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm enjoying what I've yeah. played. Yeah. yeah, it really feels like.
0: Uh IDOS Montreal had had a clean slate to work with. It's like, you know what? Do Guardians of the Galaxy, but make it make it the way you make it, because obviously their history with Deus X and so a lot of that DNA can be found in Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's like, you know what? It seems like this. Like, yo, go go ahead and have fun with it. Don't try and make this 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 corporate money machine uh free or like, or not free to play. Like, not that Marvel's Avengers is free to play, but like this game that everyone's supposed to come eh, back to and pump money might as
1: into. well be. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: like, that, you know what's wild is like, I thought it was a free to play game because it has all the workings of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's really encouraging to hear that. Uh, and I hope, I hope that that pays off for licensed products uh, in the future, but you know, money's more powerful than emotions. If you ask
2: yeah, me. Yeah. I kind of get the feeling it was like, Hey, your brother's a doctor. We don't, you can do whatever you want, which like great for, for Eidos Montreal and Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of like the game they created. But probably didn't sell super great. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was
1: already. It's been on sale quite a bit, like yeah. not too long after it came out. But like, yeah. you're you're right though, Imran. Like that game is really good. Like the that part of the end of the game, they showed a bit of this in the trailers and stuff for the game. But where you could have like Mass Effect style dialogue choices at times, yeah. and like it genuinely got me to a place where I was just like. At the end of that game, all I was doing was picking, like, the most emotionally responsible thing for Peter Quill to do, which is just, like, anathema to every interpretation of that character on screen most of the yes. time. And it works. Like, it, like the fact that it got me into a place where I wanted him to be to grow up and, and do that sort of thing and be that kind of person at the end. Like, mm, yeah, that, yeah that, I, that, that ending.
2: I think that's why it works, because, like, if you just know the James Gunn Peter Quill that is a character who is constantly emotional and faces no consequences for it whatsoever. Like, it always just kind of works out. Like, oh, he's going to just hit Thanos in the face a bunch of times. Half the universe died for it, but it's okay. And, like, this is a Peter Quill that you actually, like, care about and want to see him become the man that, like, clearly he's geared up to be. And that last conversation does, it just does such a fucking good job, like, displaying that.
3: Yeah, and that's that's always the the, the thing with uh, games, and comics, and stuff. Movies have two, two and a half hours to work with. Right. Um, whereas games and comics can really, you know, like, dive in. Like, I love Into the Spider-Verse, but I think Miles Morales probably has a, a, a more expansive arc with Miles. Right. So being able to spend more time, like Peter Quill... Star Lord in the comics is a vastly different character because <laughs> there's so much time and so many things that you can go through over the course of, you know, 50, 100, 150 issues. Oh, uh, and the the game specifically
1: pulls from comic book lore way more than the movies, too. Like, there, there's references to, like, Drax killing Thanos, which is a thing that happens in, like, the 2005 yeah, Thanos that was a while series. Ago. Yeah, it was it was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, that that, that that's that's the power of video games, you know, make, make, making us feel things. And uh, it's uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that that that's really encouraging to hear. And uh, as I as I play through uh, Endwalker, because uh, I'm I'm nowhere near being done with that game. That'll that'll probably like I mean, it's probably you can probably cut off from game of the year discussions at this point. Yeah, um, I I definitely hit a
3: a moment last night that oh, was like, God. okay, they're 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 going for it oh no no that
0: that would definitely top the conversation uh for for me given given how much how heavy that game is for but and i think well shit i guess i could i can't i should talk about it but this is this isn't This isn't necessarily, uh, this isn't spoilers or anything, but I do want to give a shout out to like the, the first, like, I guess, quarter of Endwalker in that (laughs) I know, I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. They're like, you know what? We're going to do some fucked up shit towards the end of this game. So right now, enjoy this moment of warmth. Enjoy the, these, uh, enjoy this moment of levity with all your friends. It's going to be goofy. We're going to be funny. We're going to have, we're going to sit by the fire and enjoy tea and we're going to crack jokes. Um, and I'm like, I was like, oh, this is this is so nice. And it, it, it kind of got me emotional in a very different way. Uh, whereas like with Shadowbringers, it's like these huge moments of grandeur, and something is changing in the entire realm across different realms in the lore of Final Fantasy 14. Whereas here in the beginning of Endwalker, it's just it's these very um, human moments that you share with with characters that you've been with for um, t- 10 years, if you've been playing that long, it feels like I've been playing that long. Um, but I know what they're doing. I know what you motherfuckers are up to, and I know people out there have already <laughs> finished MSQ uh, at this point while while we're recording. But I have not, and I I already already know how how it's gonna be. But. Um to bring it all back, I think that, uh, you know, folks should um, should um, play more near-replicant. Um, Persona <laughs> 5 Strikers didn't necessarily, like, I love, Persona 5 Strikers is my second favorite game of the year, um, but it, it was a lot more of like a, a fun, fun romp through summer, and we're going to s- kind of save the world again, but we're going to do it by traveling Japan and cooking in our RV uh, and it's, uh, doing It's the cool Ghostbusters
2: shit. 2 of Persona games.
0: I have no context, <laughs> because uh, I, I I'm not Ghostbusters, but... That's what's
3: up. I have no context because I, I have not played uh, five. I have I've purchased five. I purchased Royale uh, and I purchased Strikers, but I uh, played notable. no time. Yeah, I've had <laughs> no time. I, I I just uh, for a while I was reviews editor, so if I wasn't playing it, I didn't get to play it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and RPGs tended to go to Cat and Nadia of mm-hmm. the excellent acts of the blood god pub I, um well, and michael were just on nice. an episode That's yeah special. so uh a lot of rpgs i just like i purchased but i did not get to play unless they were like pc rpgs mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and the divinity S- original sin 2 yeah. correspondent right, pathfinder right. fucking right. i don't know King uh, <laughs> or dragon quest was the same way like i purchased the last dragon quest like twice because I purchased it uh, on PS4 and and then I just bought it again on Switch, mm. uh, but I haven't had time to actually play. So, uh, but I get the Ghostbusters two side of that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: the basic idea is it it's a more like sitcommy style mm. sequel to a thing that like didn't necessarily need a sequel.
0: Yeah. I, I would agree with that. There's one moment that got me, though, when they go to Okinawa and uh, the theme song plays for that area and it actually samples the melody from the, the credits theme from the anime. The anime isn't great I, I, <laughs> I don't think it's i don't think it's great but that ending theme song is such a good encapsulation of persona 5 and when i heard that them sample that melody for the theme song that plays in okinawa uh i was like oh shit like damn that shit that that moment got me um but it doesn't hold a candle to near replicant congratulations to our winner uh of making me cry like a like in like a goddamn uh fucking you know what i'm saying Near Replicant and Emil, thank you <laughs> so much. Have oh, your, the, have your an, reward. An,
2: another Square Enix like little entry to this is FS7 Intergrade, where oh, at yeah. the the end of that, Yuffie watches like she's just gone through some real shit in, in the episode so far. And mm-hmm. at the very the end, she's just standing outside the Shinra building and like she just sees the plate fall and just drops to her knees and like you you see her like a like maybe like a month later or some amount of time later just like riding in the back of a a truck and like she's fine then but you can tell like oh this is like she's a 15 year old girl this is real bad for her like maybe yeah, cloud shook. and aerith and the rest of them can kind of deal with this she's having a very horrible day right now and i right. think like there was some part of it. i felt for a character you didn't even really need and thus they didn't write too much for in the original game i actually felt like way more connected to her at the end of that episode than i Ever had the entire time. She's like, she existed since 1997.
1: Yeah. Shouts out to Yuffie, our runner up. Well, uh, we can also shout out one game that I played this year. Uh, You know, I I actually had like two different categories that I was kind of like bouncing back and forth in my head, kind of ping ponging. But we talked a bunch about Final Fantasy XIV and we're going to talk more about Final Fantasy XIV, I think, in the new year as we have have more time to play it. So I'm going to maybe pick my second choice for this, which was uh, the category that, that I had written down somewhere was like best fake Pokemon game hidden inside of a roguelike game hidden inside of a horror game (laughs) that is also a deck builder. Something like that. Uh, Which I was going to talk about Inscription a little bit this year. Um, Which is a game that uh, came out a couple months ago, I think at this point. Uh, It is one of a whole just deluge of deck building roguelike tactical type games that have been coming out in the last like, two years at this point. Like, I also play Griflands, which is, like, if I, if I, when my personal game of the year list actually comes up, Griflands will probably be much higher on that list than Inscription is, because I think that's just, like, a fantastic, like, deck builder and roguelike playing narrative experience. Inscription is just, really, like, really interesting because it is trying to do so many different things at the same time. I'm going to say, like, this is, this is spoiler territory. Like, this is end of the year type conversation, so, like... I don't know if anybody on this call doesn't want this spoiled. Can I can I ask real quick? You're good. You're You're good. good. Okay, I'm good. Okay, Uh, because Inscription is a game where you've basically booted up and the premise is you are playing a (laughs) you are playing a roguelike video game inside of a floppy disk that your main character is actually. Uh, like a, a human being who found a floppy disk, who has inserted this floppy disk into his computer and is now trying this game. And he's like, um, streaming it because he's a YouTuber. He's the, he's a fucking post Malone ass. Like, I'm going to open up, um, <laughs> these cards on, uh, I'm sorry, somebody just joined our Discord <laughs> call and then left again immediately. Uh, I'm going to open up these cards, these Pokemon cards on, on, uh, YouTube and share them with a bunch of people online. And that's kind of my YouTube thing. And I make money doing that. And like he finds a pack at a garage sale of this old game that only printed one set called inscription. And one of the cards that he finds in this garage sale has a set of coordinates on it and the coordinates lead him into the middle of the woods near his house where he digs up this package and the package has another video game in it so it's like this game within a game already but then as you play the game which is like you in this like creepy little cabin with a bunch of puzzle first person stuff going on you play this deck building roguelike against this like big giant shadowy figure that you can never really see their face just they're like two big swirling PlayStation one graphics looking eyes and like two huge gnarled hands that come out of the darkness every once in a while, who is the premise seems to be taking people in this cabin and then killing them. If they don't beat him at this uh, deck building game, takes a picture of their face right before they die. Um, You play through all of that. And it's, like, a really solid deck-building experience, really good, uh, interesting mechanics to it, like, not too mechanically deep to make you sweat, necessarily. If, If you play at it enough, you can get through it, because the game also encourages you to, like, really break it by giving you these, like, weird trinkets and stuff like that, that just, like, literally, like, by the end, I was creating, like, infinite cards on the battlefield that would generate, like, infinite mana for me um, that would just then come back to life as soon as they died, which, if you sacrifice them for mana, they die, and then would go back to my hands, and I could play them for free again. So, like, the game wants you to beat that section because once you get past that, you get through the big 3D roguelike thing, and then suddenly it switches over to Her Story FMV game stuff where... What, what the fuck? <laughs> where you are going through this guy's laptop uh, of this guy, named Luke Carter, the Lucky Carter, and, like, watching his YouTube videos, who is just, like, a real man who, apparently, outside of his game, is now just doing YouTube videos as this character. <laughs> what the fuck? On YouTube for real? <laughs> um... Also, like the the coordinates that he found these cards in, in the woods, people went there in real life and then met the game developer who was like waiting for them. Um, and what they recorded the a whole, they recorded a whole video of the game developer murdering all the people who found the uh, the game in the woods. and they posted it to YouTube. Um, and then, like, the game starts, like, glitching out and getting weird coordinates showing up and stuff like that. Oh, my God. You start learning about something called the old underscore data, which, like, the game tells you, hey, Luke, turn off your recording. Don't stream this. And then, like, so the game, like, sh- sh- like glitches out and then it comes back and you hear your character's voice from off screen as he is playing this video game going like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he's learning the truth of this video game that he's playing oh as there's like God. this evil card game developer. And it's just, and then it just keeps going. It keeps like unraveling layer after layer of layer after layer of that stuff until like, it, I don't want to go too deep into spoilers, okay. but because okay. yeah. so, so I'm it's interested a, now. I'm it's a Doki Doki <laughs> literature club. Is there's there some Doki Doki one? literature club type shit. Yeah, you know, Like if you've played a game like that, with that meta stuff going on, like this is not going to be super novel, but I think one of the things that is like really novel and interesting about inscription is like Doki Doki literature club is not a very good visual novel outside of the twist. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a good card game at the end of the day. And it's, it's several different good card games that they start to unravel over time in different contexts and stuff. And that, I think that is what makes it really special and really interesting is like, it is more than just a gimmick. It is actually just like, damn, I wish I could just play this for like, like, like they've, Hinted out there, the developer, it's one uh, developer, one, one man team. He is like hinted, well, I'm not really getting any bug reports, so I guess I have more time to kind of just mess around and maybe make some fun new modes or surprises or stuff. So he's talking about maybe doing some kind of No, uh, the, the some of the rumors. He has not specifically said, but some of the rumors are that he's working on like an endless mode because the game part is so good and so <laughs> interesting. Like people are just like, I want more of that, too. On this, At the same time, it's this fun, weird FMV horror metagame experience type thing.
0: Oh, I, I love that so much. Like that's 1000. I didn't because a lot of folks have been talking about it, but uh, we're very, very respectful about not spoiling parts of that because I had no idea. And I like half my timeline has been talking about uh, inscription in some form. Uh, but that is like 1000 percent my kind of shit, too. I love like fourth wall breaking, not necessarily uh in, in like a cheesy way, but in, in right. ARG on almost ARG sense, because the, that's the stuff that. Like traditional horror doesn't really like do anything for me, but once once games start like fucking with your perception of what's real and what's not, um, things like that, it's that's that's the stuff that gets me. So like you you kind of spoiling elements of that now has me like has shot this
1: up higher in my list. Like, oh yeah. Oh, this is I want to see this. I think that's like, this is the thing you run into with like all games in this category of thing of like having to tell people like, okay, how, how long does it take before we reach the threshold where all the people who are going to play it and take a rider on it are just going to play it. And then how long before, okay, it's been two months, three months, three months. Okay. Now we have to tell people the first twist so that they'll get in and they know Mm -hmm. that there's more here so that they can find the next stuff after that, like all the rest of the layers.
2: Oh, that man. was the thing that happened to, uh, I don't remember the name of the game, but it was like there was, it was like a Frog's Quest style thing where the thing they marketed was not what the three-fourths of the game actually was, right. but because the thing they marketed was like not interesting to people, they never got, like no one ever found out. I guess some people <laughs> did, some people actually did go through, but they were, the developers were like, what the fuck? Why is no review talking about this? Cause like no review bothered getting to the end.
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's always the problem uh, in, in terms of marketing. Like, uh, and It's actually a problem in terms of movies, too. Uh, when you market one thing and your movie is something else, uh, that tends to make people very unhappy uh, uh, unless you do it, like, unless you pull it off really well. Uh, and it sounds like this game pulls off both sides really well, which is good. Yeah, I think that's it's that's
1: the thing that is really working in its favor is if you just boot this up and you're like, I want to play one of those type of games, even if you're like tired of those type of games, which I'm kind of getting to that point between Griftlands and Inscription and Tyson fight space. Sorry, fights in tight spaces, the same mistake I make every time I say that game's title, which is
3: excellent. It's fantastic game. (laughs) You screwed me up. (laughs) Fights in tight spaces is an excellent game.
1: But, like, there's so many of those things happening right now. Like, the, the Slay the Spire likes. Even Darkest Dungeon 2 is, like, leaning more in that direction now.
3: Um, you know and- who isn't leaning in that direction who really should? Microsoft. Phil. You to me, buddy. Let's talk. Phantom about Dust. Solitaire? No, oh, no. Phantom
1: Dust!
0: <laughs> you, wow.
3: You, you started making Phantom Dust, and then you killed it, and it killed the studio. But, damn it, Phil, Phantom Dust... Now is the time. Duck building, action, multiplayer, free to play. Come on, Phil. Work with it. Well, it's one here. of those things that like,
2: yeah, that <laughs> actually would make a lot of sense for a Game Pass model that yeah. it's weird Microsoft just isn't doing. Right. Yeah. But, sorry continues no 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 I
1: think that's uh, I mean I think we mostly have talked about everything we've got here on the list I there's there's a million games I could talk about here at the end of the year more stuff that I really want to give attention to that will be on my personal list I'm sure it'll yeah. be on a lot of our personal lists here as we get to the end so
3: yeah no uh, there's a there, there was a lot of good stuff out there uh, uh small shout outs I will say uh Pathfinder wrath of the righteous yeah I played uh, a bit a of that. Lot it's a lot but it's good hey mike yeah what the fuck what what the what the fuck is up with that game uh i mean it's it's a lot of game it's it's a lot of game made by a small eastern european uh studio that no one else is watching so they get to they get to just go hog wild it's i I played like
1: eight hours of that game the other day or like the other weekend. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's like it's like a Divinity Original Sin. It's a CRPG. It's got turn based mode. It's got a real time mode if you want to play Baldur's Gate style. Uh, And then like eight hours into the game, it revealed to me via tutorial. By the way, at any point, you could have just. Press the R key and your characters will set up a camp inside of this dungeon you've been stuck in for eight hours. They'll sleep. Uh, and while they're sleeping, um, you can assign characters to uh, stand guard. I'm like, OK, you can assign some characters to sleep. Mm-hmm. Sure, that makes sense. You can assign some characters to brew magic soups. Uh, which at no point the game had ever told me that there was like a magic soup building component. And then you can assign characters to try and do rituals to combat the effects of the world wound as it tries to uh, spread abyssal corruption across the planet. And if you fuck it up, your game world will be changed permanently. (laughs) Like, wait, what?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, so Pathfinder is essentially based off of uh, D&D 5th edition? uh 3.5 3.5 3. sorry it was one of the older D's. uh that that actual DD has moved beyond and uh so this is essentially a dD game and i've been saying to people uh baldurs gate 3 uh i is in early access. i still very much enjoy it but i know a lot of people were have been a little salty that it's not like baldurs gate 1 and 2 and my my statement to them has always been if that's the game that you want then go play Pathfinder um both games are 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 well uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is shaping up to be an excellent RPG uh Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous is an excellent RPG um and uh it's worth playing if you have the time because it is a lot uh, i'm i'm, I'm a weirdo
2: I'm a weirdo in that what I want from Baldur's Gate 3 is just Divinity Original Sin 3.
3: Yes. See, and that's the thing. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 is really just the next Divinity Original Sin game. And that's great. Uh, and I love it. But I know there are some people who have played it and who are like, what? This isn't Baldur's Gate. I'd say those people go play Pathfinder. Uh, they're both excellent games. I've, I've loved both developers for a very long time and it definitely feels like uh, Owlcat Games, I believe is the name of yeah. the team, is uh, they are experiencing that same growth that Larian did from Divinity Original Sin 1 to 2. Totally. Um, and maybe not in, in terms of popularity, but in craft, they definitely are.
2: Has um, anyone made a Baldur's Gatekeeping joke?
3: No. Okay, I'm the first. Right. I'm the first person. See, there we perfect. go. God. There That's we fire, go. See, puns. <laughs> puns. Uh, Get the tweets off. Uh, last one, Narita Boy. It's uh, oh really. Uh, Tron-like I played, side-scroller.
2: I played about like an hour and a half, two hours of that game, and I just was not feeling it at all.
3: Mm. I could understand that. I could understand that. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it's a very, visually. very slow opening. Yeah, it's a very slow opening. Uh, And the platforming is a little bit less tight than I would like, but I enjoyed the experience overall. Uh, Visually, it reminds me a lot of, uh, what was that old game? Super Brothers Sword 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 and Sorcery. Sorcery. Yes. Uh, Combined with a heavy 80s vibe and the soundtrack is fantastic. They had another game
1: come out this year after like their first game since so- Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, uh, Jet the Far Shore, which I have not played. But uh, I know some people John played like, it. yeah, John played it. That is also a very, very slow game. <laughs> it's my yeah. uh, That was my read on that game. That seems slow was kind of my my take. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to shout out before we uh,
3: dip out here? At the uh, end of the year? And I'll throw one more in uh, Chernobylite. General uh, sure Light. I've been meaning to try number, that. Number and one of the many, I guess we'll call them, Stalker likes. Yeah, uh, Stalker again, No one cared about, and then now that Metro has sort of made that vibe a thing, uh, there are other games doing it, including Stalker Two, which is coming Hell next yeah. year. Oh my Listen, god!
0: Stalker is Stalker is one thousand percent. I I love that style of. Yeah, um, just like not, I mean, Stalker 2 looks like it has a lot more production value behind it, but still having that, I guess, that Eastern European jank, but the Euro jank. Uh, yeah, the Euro jank, but uh, in a so something that's a little bit more cryptic, like um, and I don't know, Stalker is r- really dope. So, yeah, what, these Stalker should, likes like, would
3: be a, a sort of uh, Eastern European Russian uh, survival games. Um, mm-hmm. Metro has sort of moved away from that a bit. Yeah, they're more uh, traditional first-person shooter that also has that v- like flavor, right? Uh, and Chernobylite is basically a survival game in and around the area of Chernobyl, um, and uh, as with many of these, something has gone absolutely wrong there, and uh, super science shenanigans are happening. Uh, and there is dimensional and timey-wimey stuff happening, uh, but it's a very solid, good uh, mm. survival game. Uh, and it's very weird because they actually went to Chernobyl and huh. uh, did some map stuff and photogrammetry and stuff like that. So, um, uh, but it's 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 just a very enjoyable uh, survival game. Uh, With a concrete story. So uh, some survival games tend to uh, not really have any sort of driving force. Uh, Chernobylite, you are trying to find out uh, what happened to people who were there before you. Mm. Uh, And it's actually very good. It's an enjoyable little game. Awesome. I've been meaning to check that out.
2: Yeah, I'll throw out 12 Minutes as the game that got the biggest emotional response from me right? <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Sort of like most emotions, if, yes. people, if you will. Yeah. Not yeah, good
2: yeah, yeah. emotions. Terrible. No. No, no. All over emotions, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my God.
3: Uh-huh. What's up, Michael? <laughs> oh,
0: God. 12 fucking... Oh God, I, I,
3: would, minutes. I would like to point out, I did not play the game because no. when I heard from some people that the game was bad, mm-hmm. I decided to use that time. To play good things. But a lot of (laughs) people in our Slack decided to use that time to play things that they already knew were bad. It's (laughs) like, it is like rubbernecking at a car nope. accident except it's not like rubbernecking it's like you,
2: you stop and get out of the car and like you're like taking pictures yeah, and, and you like stare just, at it and yeah. you get in the accident you know if you're like oh okay <laughs> and you try to like <laughs> okay. take some of the glass and like start scratching yourself with it like that's 12 minutes
0: oh my god 12 minutes is a fucking mess in that, like the whole the whole sister fucking thing is oh, that's, that's a,
2: like the, <laughs> the, the whole
0: sister is, fucking thing. The like, listen, I've said this. I so. I said this publicly a couple days after it came out, and I said I've yes. seen better stories on Pornhub than in 12 minutes. And people were like, "Hey, whoa, 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 chill, chill, chill. That's a spoiler." And then that now everyone's just like, "Oh, the incest game." damn uh-huh. and I deleted the tweet because I was like oh I don't know maybe I'm out of pocket maybe in that moment I was out of pocket maybe I should have nah, waited a week nah, nah. but um, that, that <laughs> game is way more out of pocket and out of so many different pockets because like the thing not it's the incest thing is just one step a uh, misstep along the way like the ways in which that game forces you to look at bad shit happening without te- like with no sense of warning or no, rhyme or yeah, reason warning. Mm-hmm. and like th- there, there, there are twists that exacerbate how bad those moments already were like the thing is like all games with like very explicit and like fucked up content usually you have trust in that that it's going to use that in some sort of like constructive way to feed into its themes or feed into its story this one here it's just like yo bad shit's happening because fucking time and shit and you know what? I, that's your sister too. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this shit? It's also just
2: a bad puzzle game. Like you get all it's these that things you. that like, don't do anything. Like you have kind of two options for opening the vent and you only really know the vent there. Are you can go you can't to the vent? See whenever the vent. You yeah. Like you physically just can't. And like, it's fucking my apartment. I feel like I'd know if there's a vent there. Right. <laughs> like a, that's kind of where the like the actual mechanics of the story fall off. Like, why would I not know about X thing if I was supposed to live there? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, it's, oh
3: God. And it also game. sounds like missed potential because there, that idea of you only have X amount of time to figure out what is essentially an escape room mm-hmm. is a solid idea. Totally. Yeah. Uh, there are other games that do almost the exact same thing. Yes. Like pretty, pretty out of much Wilds every other DLC. Oh, out Wilds, <laughs> there you go. Yep.
2: Every other time loop game this year and last year were better. <laughs>
3: yeah, they
1: keep happening. I mean, fucking we haven't even talked about maybe speaks to maybe I, I don't think this game maybe had the lasting power that we thought it did. But like we haven't even talked about the other time loop game with some maybe references to incest type stuff in it. Death Death loop uh, uh, definitely. I, don't, I, don't I don't know. know.
3: People people I mean, made a little bit too much about the incest thing.
1: I think uh, so, too. It's it's barely a thing like
3: they're uh,
1: uh, Incest light.
3: Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> there's some flirting because there's mind stuff and they uh, don't know that they're related, but it's not like, it's not like 12 minutes and it's really no. not all that deep because like, yes, there's some flirting, but then beyond that, it's just done because they're trying yeah. to kill each other. Right. Yeah, it's Back uh, to the Future style. Yeah. Yes. Back to the Future style. Like, actually, Back to that the Future smart. is worse. <laughs>
1: Oh totally. There's no physical contact between them that isn't them stabbing each other.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah. That that was that was a pretty good game. Uh it's not gonna make the top of my list, uh, but Congratulations
2: to it. Returnal for being the least incest time loop game this year. Oh.
1: <laughs> good point. <laughs> so I didn't think about that. Oh. Uh, um what was a I? I feel like I had another one I wanted to shout here out here at the end. But uh, Michael, did you have something that you're going to say? Um, I don't. I,
0: it's, this That doesn't have anything to do with incest, so. Um, <laughs> oh, well, sorry. then I don't want to. What's hear the point? It. Like, <laughs> not, I'm not bringing the heat like. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Uh, never mind. I was gonna make. I was gonna make a, a Pinot joke, but uh, I see. I could feel Paul watching me and shaking
1: his head. The hand uh, of Paul.
3: That's what we call. Uh, if you want to play uh, a Symphony <laughs> of the Night style game, uh, yes, since Symphony of the Night. Yes, Deedlet. yes, Deedlet in in Wonder, in Labyrinth. Wonder Labyrinth. Hell yeah! Uh, it Let's was great. go. Uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is actually a pretty fun Ratchet and Clank game. I came late to the series. I I didn't play it until the one that came out on PS4. Mm. Um, Age of Empires 4 IV. Been Fantastic. playing those games since the beginning. I have not. Yeah, like I said, I I uh, uh, there was a time probably in that PS2 era. When maybe I felt I was too good, so... uh, Too good for Ratchet & Clank! So I did not play Ratchet & Clank, Jack and Daxter, or Sly. (sighs) Like, that whole area of, like, mascot-y platformers, I just sort of skipped over. Wow. Those games are good. (laughs) Those games are great. Yeah, uh, and like I said, I mean, the PS4 one was a remake of the first one. Um, Yeah, supposedly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah, kind of. Uh, So... Uh I really enjoyed it. I was like, "Oh, wow, was the series always like this? Like this is really yeah, good." More or less. Um, yeah. So Rift Apart, yeah, uh, it's it's worth it. Uh and then Super Mario 3D World, Bows of Fury. I did Bows not Fury. like 3D World. Uh and I had always made maintained that the reason I didn't like it is because it was slow as hell. And I like fast Mario games like the Galaxy series. Uh, and for the 3D world re release, they sort of fixed that. It's faster, it's 20% uh, faster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which does help. But more importantly, Bowser's Fury, which is definitely a let's experiment with what an open world Mario game would look like.
1: It's the, do you uh, guys
3: like it? Do you guys like it? Feels like Nintendo asking the fan base, it's like, do you guys like this? Maybe it's, Turning a dial that
2: says open world and looking back.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's the
1: uh, the, the Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds of Mario. Of like, we're going to, this is mostly what you like. And it's a small one. Uh, you know, in in the case of Link Between Worlds, it's like, this is a 3DS game, you don't have to think that hard about it, but we're going to try some weird shit over here and see what you feel about, like, being able to tackle these dungeons in any order again, if you just buy these items or rent these items. Uh, and they are doing that, except instead of putting it on a handheld, they are putting it inside of a re-release of an older
3: game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and like Link Between Worlds, I, I think it is definitely... Uh, Link Between Worlds is, in fact, probably one of my favorite Zeldas. Uh, Agree. Might be number two at this point. Mm. Um, uh, Bowser's Fury is definitely like Nintendo. If this is the thing you are thinking about, do this. Do, it, it's good. It's good stuff. Awesome. Well, we can
1: probably get close to wrapping it up there. Thank you all for sticking with me on another Game of the
3: Year podcast. That's it. We, we're just gonna end there.
1: Oh no! Did something? No, I just, I was just curious if you guys would like respond to that in any way, say like, oh, oh no, thank you. <laughs>
3: we, we, uh, oh, we, 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 we couldn't thought, tell if we, you were we, talking to us. We're so to, happy to be to here. The, yes, okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: let's, like, thanks, let's, thanks for leading such a let's, great conversation. I mean, such let's, a
2: definitive Stephen, end. <laughs> yeah, like, I was sitting there, say like, I'm waiting for my opportunity to say from racism to racing. For, like, <laughs>
1: All right. any point all
2: right
3: so <laughs> everyone, racism to
1: racing everyone be, be quiet fanbyte.com.
3: now and then mm-hmm. we will act as if we answered steven right there who wants to go first Imran, you can you can go first with the racism to racing let's be thank quiet you now yeah. thank you
2: steven for uh like running this podcast leading this conversation for being senior manager at fanbyte.com where our logo is our our motto is from racism to racing
1: mm-hmm. hey, it's true, true.
2: We
3: cover we covered everything, and while there may be other Game of the Year podcasts, I, I without tooting my horn, will say that this will be the best one. Uh, it's going to cover the best games with the best folks. Not that I don't love all the folks, but this is the one that I'm on, so. <laughs>
1: right, right. So that's the only one that matters, really. Correct. At the end of the day oh
3: shit that's what's
0: up god damn uh uh thank you steven for being so great and (laughs) leading a wonderful conversation and uh the the sound of your voice brings comfort in that i know i'm going to have a good time and uh for being cool and shit and god damn i'm so tired (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> well, do I do it, I sound like I'm far away because uh, okay so, uh, I was like thank you so much for for, for being great yeah, Stephen yeah, like, course, I, I really appreciate that so well you know so.
1: it's so nice of you all to say this stuff with like no prompting whatsoever just sort of so mm-hmm. spontaneously kind of uh, telling me how much you love me just like I love that sort of thing it's like a gift that you give yourself every day except you're doing it for another person it's, it's yeah. beautiful hmm. just like this episode of uh, whatever we're calling this whatever feed this goes up in Channel F was beautiful and you are all beautiful listeners and you can prove that by going to your podcast catcher of choice and leaving us a rating and reviewing on iTunes. It is one of the best ways you can support us. You can also just like, you know, tweet at us and tell us how much you love our show. Uh, that is another great way to kind of support us emotionally. And you can find me on Twitter at at Steven Strum, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. You can find Michael Ware. You find me and all
0: of my bullshit at Michael P. Hi, I'm on Twitter and uh, you should uh, go um, type into your URL uh, thelinkshell.com
1: Ooh, yeah. There's also a Twitter account for that. I believe it's uh, Linkshell FF14, right? Yes,
0: absolute XIV at the end. You know X-I-V. what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imran, where can people find you? Natalie's not here, so don't even worry about it. You can say it. Yeah,
2: I don't have to worry about being bullied by Natalie Flores. So I can actually say my Twitter is at ImranZMG. I also still own Natalie Flores. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fantastic, thank you very much. And Mike, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AutomaticZenZen, uh, where I will talk about movies and comics and other nonsense. Enjoy.
1: Fantastic. And you can find our wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, at PolyMeo. Mayo. Spelt like Paul and then like mayo, like mayonnaise. One word. Well, no, because it'd be poly, so it's no, like P-O-L-L-I. No, no,
3: it's like politics. It's like the beginning of politics, and then mayo. Like
2: poly-sci, but instead of psi, it's mayo. Right. Okay. That makes sense.
3: That makes sense. Okay. Okay.
1: That's where you can find him. You can find all the stuff that we do at Fanbyte Media on Twitter, and you can also have a great holiday season, happy new year, whatever it is that you got there to celebrate, take advantage of it. It's hard enough out there as it is. So treasure those good moments like treasure this good podcast. And we will be back in 2022. Peace. Bye. Bye.